0: Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to EvolveNetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model, and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Watersco Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage at petevans.com to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. For over 20 years, author and spiritual guide Mitra Politi has been the the under-the-radar intuitive healer and trusted teacher for fellow spiritual luminaries seeking a direct personal connection to spirit. Mitra is the spiritual director for Rhythmia Life Enhancement Center, the acclaimed transformational retreat center in Costa Rica, as well as a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and certified acupuncturist and practitioner of indigenous Colombian healing. For two decades, Mitra has been living in Costa Rica in an ecological and spiritual community called Pachamama. For many years, he maintained an acupuncture clinic and designed and taught numerous transformational programs within the Pachamama community and abroad. To find out more about Mitra Paliti, please visit insights-thebook.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot Mitra, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. How are you, my dear friend?
1: Yeah, very good. I'm here in Guanacaste, Costa Rica in the rainy season. The forest is green and alive, so it's always reflecting the force of nature inside of me as well. Mm -hmm.
0: You've had an amazing journey throughout your life experience so far. How were you introduced into the path that you are currently on?
1: Mm. Well, I'm a hybrid of a lot of different practices from different healing modalities to to different meditation modalities. Chinese medicine, meditation, working and studying from the natives in the Colombian jungle. So I would summarize all of it as as a spiritual seeker or spiritual student.
0: Mm -hmm. What was the catalyst for you? Were you always curious as a child or inquisitive?
1: My grandmother was into the religion, but she was always transmitting something that was from the beyond. She was always connected to creation, and I grew up with that feeling and that knowing that there is something that is greater than me. I had few early experiences in my life, but the big shift came in my 20s as I was traveling in India, and the impact of that traveling in India and being in places that there is so much contradiction, but it was evoking so much spirituality in me. And that really gave me a strong introduction to what is happening beyond my personality, what is happening beyond my psychological I am, and to this phenomena of the spark of God in me and the source outside, and how to find a way to have a meeting point between these two.
0: You've released a new book, and I'd love for you to be able to tell us the title of that book and the intention behind releasing this book for the readers.
1: So the name of the book is Inside Steps to Truth. The inspiration was to evoke the reader into a longing, to evoke the reader to stimulate that ancient longing that we have inside of us the longing for something that is beyond, for something that is more divine inside of us and outside of us to start to stimulate a new perspective of humanity. I didn't attend to write a book. I was writing that poetry in order to support myself in a time of the crisis and to have a place to reflect back to myself a memory of truly who I am. And... I find it very helpful. After a year, I discovered that there is a really good material in that notebook. So I decided to put it together and to deliver it as a book.
0: When we're talking about spiritual seeking, which is what you talked about earlier, tell us about the path for a spiritual seeker. And are we all here to walk along that path?
1: Yes, we're coming into this life in this format as humanity. And if we just come here to eat and to work, to do the basic things in life, then life can be a really boring experience for us because it will repeat itself as stuff that we need to do, obligation that we need to do, and commitment that we need to do. But there is, for us to come into this body, there is a higher purpose and there is a higher mysticism that follow that. And we are here to discover and to reveal that. So a spiritual seeker is the one that is doing that investigation with himself. And some of the investigation is by questioning and some of the investigation is by really looking and tapping into the divine particle that is within all of us. And what does that mean? And how can I engage with that? And when I do engage with that, how that is impact who I am and what I am and how I am seen in the world. So the spiritual seeker is the one that have a relationship or vote for that relationship with the divine particle or with the sound of silence within him. So it's an inner journey that many times leads us also to an outer journey.
0: When you talk about that journey, what are some of the tools that you've used in your that some could resonate with because my understanding is we have so many tools available to us and how do we know which ones are the ones that will benefit us at this particular point in time and which ones we shouldn't be using it's nearly like a treasure hunt I would say
1: yes it's like this and we have to try in order to know what fits us so it's like once we start to find a curiosity to look for different uh, practices so it's like to take a kid to the supermarket and to them, okay, go ahead, choose. And there is a lot of variety to choose from, especially in our time when a lot of the spiritual practices are out there. So I encourage people to go into that supermarket and to pick different items and to try and to see what works the best for them, what speaks directly to their heart and what stimulate or what reveal something that is the divine inside of them. When you find that, then you find the right thing. And for somebody, it could be dance, or another meditation, or another yoga. For somebody else, the plant medicine, or prayer. So we have to allow ourselves to be curious and to use this curiosity. And like this, we get experiences, and like this, we can choose rights. Because what is right for me, maybe for somebody else, is different, you know?
0: Do you think we're going through a spiritual crisis at the moment, collectively, or is this a great invitation at the moment? Talk to me about what's happening this year.
1: So, definitely in any crisis, we have both of these options. We have the option to collapse or we have the option to rise up. What humanity will do with that is simply unknown now, but definitely we are in a crossroad. We are in a crossroad. the best impact that we can support humanity is by making sure that we are rising up first, that we are choosing the right way or the right practice. And when we do that, it's like throwing a stone into the lake. It starts to create ripples. And that ripples will have the true effect. And we are in a crossroad. And definitely we are in a crisis. But there is always a hope. We are never alone in this process, even if it feels like that, as individual and also with humanity. There is a lot of support that comes, nature is with us, life is with us, we will cross through it to the other side and things will look a little bit different after. Hmm.
0: You talk about the God particle, what is the God particle, and how can people identify with that?
1: So, in other languages, they will call it the soul. The being, the life force, the chief, the divine particle is that life force that we have, but we cannot name it because it's without a name, but is definitely here. And as more as we tap into it, beyond my stories, beyond my psychological I am, and I start to engage with that, I see the pulse or I feel the pulse of that life force. In one point, I start to rest into that and become that more. And that starts to change layers of my personality and my I am. So to summarize it, is the life force of who you are, is the initial energy of your being?
0: We have what I would call different ideas about freedom being challenged at the moment in so many different areas of life, whether it be the freedom to speak, the freedom to travel, the freedom to form a relationship with nature as one of our medicines or many of our medicines. Why do you think we're going through this at the moment, this challenge of freedom, of being able to choose what is best for us? And is that just an
1: illusion? Because the term of freedom as we, as we look at it so far is, or most humanity is looking at, is the freedom from in the outside, on the surface. I can go there, I can fly there, I can do that. And that freedom is very conditioned. It's conditioned to physical limitation. It's conditioned to a financial limitation. And now it's conditioned to a global situation. So, but it's still on the outside. So a true freedom is the freedom that we find from within. A freedom that is not because of, a freedom that is in spite of. And in the book, I try to evoke that longing or to evoke the reader to point out to that place. And we need to understand that the true freedom, nobody can give it to us. It's something that we need to claim. It's something that we need to claim. In the moment that we are recognizing, in the moment that we are engaging with that, then we see that the true freedom is the freedom to be, and to be in our being. Mm,
0: I love that. I've had the good fortune of sitting opposite you in person, and you are somebody that I would call a healer. And I don't usually call too many people that. And what I mean by healer is you have a grasp of this world and beyond, and you're able to speak in a way that resonates deeply within anybody that is open to hearing your words and your wisdom. Tell me about your intention when you are in that space of being that instrument for healing, if that is the right definition that I can use about you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... Of course, many times I move from one territory to another, but the true healing can happen when the healer is not there. <laughs> and where there is a direct communication with the source and through the source, the healer is delivering his word, his energy, his blessing. Then there is an open channel. Then there is an open space. So that is very important when we are doing the healing work. The second is the work that I did with myself for healing myself and evolving myself That work, when I come to work with somebody else, that can express itself because as deeper as I work with myself, as deeper as I can reach in the other. So the true path of the healer is not the easy one because you need to overcome a lot of boundaries. You need to overcome in order always to aim for the essence of who you are or the essence of the wound and to turn that from bitterness into sweetness. But once we are managing to perform that with ourselves, then we can really perform it with others. And it's an ongoing journey. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, brother. I really hear you. I feel
0: you as well. So tell me about some of the gates or the obstacles or the opportunities, maybe is a better word to use, that people have to go through to heal themselves.
1: Well, there is so many. There is our uh, our traumas, our belief systems, our wound, uh, the conditions that we inherited from our mother and father and our society. Apparently, all of this which I mentioned is creating layers that a lot of our so-called behaviors are coming from that experiences that they are attached to us. So as long as we are not in tune with creation, As long as we are not in harmony with nature, then the way that we are communicating, acting, reacting, is all from that layers of conditions. So the true work is to unshed all of that layers and always to find a way to come back into harmony, to come back into nature, to come back into our own nature. Because nature is always in prosperity. Nature is always in goodness. Nature is always in some sort of a celebration. We are part of nature, which means that we can experience all of this wonder, all of this goodness without flying anywhere. <laughs> I like that. One
0: thing I have to celebrate about you, Mitra, is your sense of humor when you are delivering your messages and you're channeling your spirit into a group of people. And tell me about humor and why that resonates for you so easily when you're talking about some of the most deepest, most serious aspects of life?
1: Because many times it's the comedy of life that expresses itself through us as humans. And we have a tendency to take ourselves serious, but the humor doesn't come to undermine where we are at. The humor is coming out of that realization that there is something that, first of all, what we are passing, it's all okay. Yeah, all what we are passing, all our pain, our thought, our struggle, it's all okay. And there is something more. So, first is not to reject what we are experiencing, but it is to put it in the right place. And this is where it's becoming playful for me. It's becoming playful.
0: Many people say that life is a game and we're all playing it. And if it is a game, can we win? And can it be that simple? Like, what is the destination, do
1: you believe, in this game of life? Or is there not one? Definitely there is a game, and it depends on which game we are. So first we need to make sure that we are on the right game, because there is the game of chasing after money, chasing after fame, chasing after happiness, chasing after so many different games. the game that we are on is always the game of what we are chasing after. So first, it's good to be on the right game. And the best game that there is for humanity is the game of consciousness. When we are putting ourselves into that game, the game of consciousness, is about remembering and forgetfulness. So we need to remember who we truly are. And then there is a moment of forgetfulness. And then there is a moment of remembering So we are always on that game of remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting. In one point, we don't need to remember anymore. Life remembers us. So it's important that we will be on the right game. Really important for humanity to be on the right game.
0: Have you ever questioned your role in the game going along this path? (laughs) Because I guess the question is sometimes... When you do go down this game of consciousness, sometimes ignorance can be bliss. Where I refer to the Matrix film, where once you've swallowed the pill or gone down that path, sometimes it's like, Oh, wonder why I did that. (laughs) that (laughs) Can I go back sometimes? Like, have you ever questioned your own direction in this?
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. I had. When I understood what is really mean to walk on the path of the healer and which kind of event sometimes it brings into my life and the responsibility also that comes with it. I said to creation, like, please, I don't want it here. Have it back. Have it back and let me do something simple. But of course, there is an ancient contract that it still, I can try to give it back, but it still has power on me. So... I had few chapters in my life that I tried to completely to put the healing aside and not to do that. And the result was that suddenly the prosperity that I have disappeared. And I was working much harder than what I worked in healing. And life was just showing me that when I do something that is fully in tune with who I am and fully in tune with my initial corporate, with life, then I will never miss anything. And after two years of trying to avoid it, I said, okay, I understand the message. I am going back to do healing for people. And ever since then, there's a lot of prosperity and a lot of goodness and much more joy.
0: So how do you explain that to somebody that is confused about their own path in life?
1: One of my teachers said, when you are confused, the only thing that you need to know is that you are confused. Because to get a decision from a confused place means that most probably will not get the right decision. So first is to realize that confusion and to wait that that confusion will pass and to get the answer or the action from a more clear mind. And of course, for us as human beings, whatever gives us really meaning, that is important. If what we are doing gives us meaning and creates goodness for others, not only serve our own needs, then blessed it is. So somebody could be a full businessman, but he is in his fullest. He is experiencing life in intensity, he is experiencing life in a good way, and he can create and bring something good to humanity.
0: You mentioned the word teacher just before,
1: are you still a student? Always. I cannot say that I'm a teacher without declaring that I'm a student. Um, why is that? Because in my journey, I see that I am constantly studying. I'm studying life, and I'm studying this, the God particle in me, and studying whatever I'm engaging with. And like this, my evolution doesn't stop. So the word, the student, is actually the one that is allowing the investigation to continue, allowing the reflection to continue. And I can get the reflection from the outside, but the main reflection is from within. The reflection from within.
0: And uh, tell me about indigenous cultures from around the world and what you have learned from studying in these cultures. And is there a common theme?
1: Well, I had the privilege to pass some of the healing phases that I need to do to go to Colombia, to the south of Colombia, and to study with the natives there. And the strongest impression was the way that they are interacting with life, the way that they are interacting with nature. And in that specific culture of the indigenous in Colombia, they talk a lot about the moment of creation, when time gave birth to itself. And their philosophy is that all the healing work that they are doing, whether it's with a medicinal plant and some other formant, is to bring them back to the moment of creation. Because in the time of creation, humanity was completely and utterly in tune with nature. There were no sicknesses. There were no illnesses. As things will come up, as things will fall. There were complete harmony. So the way for them to heal is to evoke different memories for us that they are in us to evoke different memories of harmony that comes from nature. So, once the healing is happening on such a basic level, everything else starts to reorganize itself accordingly, according to the design of life. Yeah. And seeing that, how we all operate there was a huge experience for me. And I am practicing that trying to go back into the beginning of
0: time I want you to talk about that or share with us that sound the beginning of time because I fondly remember being in your presence I believe it was in Costa Rica and talking about that maybe om wasn't the first sound it was from the (laughs) Colombian heritage so can you explain what this is and share it with the audience please mate
1: yeah so in different traditions, there is the sound of creation. The first sound for the Hindus is Om, um, And in the jungle is Whoosh, is the same moment as the mom is giving birth to the baby. And they are using the breath. Whoosh, they are using to symbolize the moment of creation. So in the different way that they are blowing on a person in their chant, they are using that sound to emphasize the moment of creation. There is also the sound of creation in meditation, which is the sound of silence, which is a different melody.
0: With the work that you've been doing over the last few decades and when you have somebody sitting in front of you, do you intuitively know where the blockages or the misalignment in their healing process is?
1: Yes, it's something that comes with the experience. But in the Chinese medicine, in the clinic, I would see sometimes 20 people a day coming in and out. And that gave me a lot of experience to see where is the blockage, where is the blockage, and sometimes to see what is the story that comes with that blockage. Because many times we have energetically blockage, but the way that this block sustains itself, there is also something, a story, psychological story that is attached to it yeah energetically uh, story so to see where the person is blocked and to see what he created around that block in order to protect that block it is a technology this technology of diagnosis, and we diagnose through the senses and we diagnose through the body shape the body language the smell different places in the face you need to collect a lot of information about the person that sits in front of you in order to give the notes very fast, actually.
0: Is there a common thread with humanity at the moment where the blockages are, or is it one thing, like if you could click your fingers and
1: say, if everybody could just do this, <laughs> you would be a lot better off? Yes, if humanity will realize that they are not in the right game, they are not playing the right game. And the game of consuming, the game of running after confirmation or accumulating, that game is very limited. And it's like uh, humanity needs to put the priorities back into their place and to create a new economy, the economy of love. So saying that there is nothing wrong about working and making sure that we are living a comfortable life, but when our priority is only that chasing after comfort and being afraid from our coming out of our comfort zone, it's a very imbalanced society. But if we put the priority society, manage to put the priorities back into what is really matter in life, what is really matter in life, to put that as a high priority, then everything will come into order because we have everything. We really have everything. This humanity have everything. But it's not in order. If we put it in order, then it will create a beautiful mandala for humanity.
0: Do you see that happening at the moment? Or do you think we're going through... Some people have called what's happening in 2020 sort of our version of the dark night of the soul. It's our journey to face our fears.
1: Well, it's a very comfortable uh, the dark side of the soul to watch it with Netflix. <laughs> so... It's a mild version of it. We can, for sure, for some, they can experience that there is a pocket. There is a pocket of huge suffering and there is a pocket of a huge expansion in this time. So I cannot say to this direction or that direction. What I can say is that we have a choice. We have a choice. And when we know that we have a choice and then we can start to choose right, then we will create the change. Even if it's hard. We need to remember as individuals that we have a choice. Even if it looks like that we don't have a choice, we have a choice.
0: Does this play out on other spiritual realms as well? Is this sort of evolutionary process that we're going through or this remembrance, are there other, I guess, dimensions or realities where this is also taking place? If I can be esoteric about this.
1: You know, they say in the native way and also in, in the Jewish culture, whatever is above is below, and whatever is below is above. So the reflection of what we are experiencing here is what is happening also on other dimensions. Many times through the right tension, a frequency between two things, then something new can give birth to itself. So sometimes that tension is very necessary. Sometimes that tension is very necessary between two obstacles in order to give birth into something new. We can see it in our evolution as individual and we can see it on a larger scale for humanity. So maybe now we are just experiencing that, the tension between two obstacles. And hopefully something new and positive will grow out of it.
0: Is everything in balance
1: then, would you say at the moment? If everything is in balance, you said? Is it imbalance? Yes, like some pockets are generally, yeah. When we look at it, it looks imbalanced. It looks imbalanced. And the main imbalance is the way that humanity is with nature. The main imbalance is how humanity is with nature and how we are not cultivating as a collective, as we are not cultivating to keep that balance in all of the terms, the way that we are polluting. Our planet, the way that animals are getting extinct, the way that Indigenous tribes are losing their language and losing their land, and the way that we are so destructive as humans, that definitely there is a huge imbalance.
0: I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The Information Views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical, or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or
1: prevent any
0: medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this
1: podcast.